I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. If you have not been with us before or recently, we are in the middle of a study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, to followers of his, both to the twelve and to a larger group of folks who are following him then and to all of us today who call ourselves followers of Jesus. And he's teaching us about how we are to live and who we are to be as Jesus' followers. And his teachings, we have discovered, are simply astounding. We're not surprised when we read at the end of the message, it says the crowds were astonished at his teachings. Because some of what he says is hard, some is difficult, some is revolutionary in terms of the way we think and the way we typically live. So it's very surprising. And so we've been taking now since January, and we're going all the way till Memorial Day, spending time just unpacking this sermon of Jesus just a little bit at a time because there's so very much here. If you're like me, I found it all very convicting and very challenging. Last week, we saw in verses 19 through 21, Jesus began speaking to the subject of wealth, of possessions, of material wealth. And he continues that theme today. He's going to give us two more important truths about wealth. We learned last week that Jesus wants us to be rich. God wants us to be rich, but only where it really matters. Not in the way that prosperity gospel teaching has perverted the Word of God. God isn't looking to put a Rolls Royce in every driveway, but He is looking for us to be rich where it really counts. The treasures that last forever. We learned last week that there are two treasures. Treasures in heaven that last forever and treasures on earth that are short-lived, that will pass away very quickly. And Jesus was eager for us to understand the reality of eternity and the immeasurable value of eternal riches and, and also to learn the futility of earthly riches because He wants us to not waste our time and energies with what is trivial, with what is minuscule, with what is fleeting and passing away. So today we come to verses 22 to 24. I hope you've got the, your Bible open. Follow along as I read. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Most of us have GPS navigation available to us readily these days. I've got it on my, on my phone, as probably most of you do. Many of you have it in your cars. We've got it in my wife's car. It's readily available to me, but I hardly ever use it. I prefer to get lost on my own. Thank you very much. 
reminded about a girls' softball team that was headed to their game. The driver was dutifully following the directions that were being barked out by the nav system. In fact, he was so busy following all of those, those commands and instructions that he really didn't pay attention to any of the signs, especially the big, rather large sign that would have warned him that his 11-foot, 8-inch tall bus would have had problems fitting under the 9-foot tall bridge. You've probably read similar stories. Occasionally, drivers mindlessly follow navigation commands and obey the GPS directions that are obviously flawed or impractical. A lady was just telling me this morning her incidents just last week where she was trying to get to somebody's house and kept, it kept taking her into the General Motors parking lot over there at the plant and driving her in circles in the parking lot. <laughs> Occasionally that happens and people have been known to drive head-on into oncoming traffic, been known to drive off of piers or into rivers or lakes or directly into walls or barricades. It happens. Making decisions based on bad or flawed information has consequences. It causes problems. And that reality brings us to the first of the the two key truths that are in the passage before us this morning. Jesus says there are two views, two views of life and stuff. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Physically, our eyes are our window to our world. It is through our eyes that we we see the world around us. We see what is in front of us. I I can see that there are steps there and not to go past, you know, there are without stepping down. Otherwise, I fall. We can see that I can see that there are things to run into. That's very helpful when we're trying to move around, that we have eyes. If our eyes see well, we move well. But if our eyes are bad, we cannot see. We move and we react poorly to the world around us. And sometimes that has awful consequences. Physical blindness is a hugely challenging handicap to deal with. And Jesus takes that reality and uses it as an illustration, applying it to our view of wealth and treasure. Jesus says, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Healthy eyesight in the physical world, as we said, clear eyesight provides guidance. It provides security for our physical body as we move around. Likewise, as he uses this as the illustration, correct views about our treasure or about earthly treasures and heavenly treasures and correct response to that correct view, correct understanding, that produces a proper worldview. It produces an enlightened life, a life that is lived well with eternal blessings. But he says, in contrast, if your eye is bad... Your whole body will be full of darkness and then the light in you, if the light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. Contrasted to healthy eyesight, there is bad eyesight. And again, in the physical world, bad eyesight jeopardizes our whole body. 
In the same way, a false view of treasures will skew our view of the world. It will make it not an accurate view, a distorted view. And it's like living in darkness. If you live in darkness, but think that you're living in light, you act like you're living in light, you're in for a big shock. Kind of like if you come home to a dark house and you go walking through your dark house, not knowing that your wife moved the furniture. My wife used to do that a lot when we were younger. And I'd come home because I was a youth pastor and I'd be out late and I'd come home not wanting to turn on the lights and I'd just walk through and she's moved the furniture and there's always a big surprise. <laughs> or it's similar to blind people blindly following faulty GPS, faulty information into a disaster. Living in darkness here, he's talking now spiritually and relating to treasures and wealth, he says, whether it's by ignorance or by choice that we walk in darkness, the results are big. He says, how great is that darkness? It results in a wasted life. It results in eternal consequences to that. So these truths here are not trivial. They are of eternal import. If we have good eyesight about treasures, wealth, earthly treasures, eternal treasures, we can live well, live rightly. If we have bad, bad eyesight, a bad view of those, a wrong view of those things, bad information, bad understanding, we will not live well in regards to treasures. And how great is the darkness, he says. There's a couple of words that Jesus used in this illustration Things that are in the Greek that aren't in, don't really, aren't apparent in English. But they likely help drive home his point and help illustrate how these, these eyesight, these views show up in real life. The word that he used there when he says, if our eyesight is healthy, if, if you have the ESV, if you're looking in the New International Version, it's if your eye is good. We, we kind of get that, but that's really not what literally the word is. If you have the King James, it actually gives a literal translation of that word. It says, if your eye is single. What does that mean? If your eye is single. Well, it's talking about if you're seeing single in, in terms of it's in focus and it's sharp-edged versus double vision. Yeah, You've been there. Or it's fuzzy. If you have astigmatism, you know, things are fuzzy. That's what he's talking about when it says if your eye is single. You have good, clear vision. That's why the NIV and the ESV use it that way. And that's a perfectly legitimate translation of that word. It's a good translation. And it fits the, the text here. But it's interesting that the word here that's translated single is haplus in Greek. That doesn't mean anything to us. But the root of that word is translated in other places in Scripture and it's translated as this. It's translated as generous. If you have, in other words, he says, a generous eye. That idea is picked up in several places in Scripture. One, for example, is Proverbs 22.9. He who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. But that word generous literally is if his eye is good, if his eye is clear. That's a 
a concept in Scripture, in other words. And so if you put all that together, some of the scholars would translate this verse, if your eye is generous, your whole body will be full of light. In other words, if we grasp the principle that he talked about last week of heavenly treasures that are supremely valuable and earthly treasures that are of very little value, he says if if we grasp that and we value, we treasure up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth, that means that we will end up being people who do live generously. It will just work out that way Because our lives will be filled with the light of spiritual understanding. We have a right view, a right eyesight, and that eyesight will result in being generous people. And he contrasted that in verse 23 with we read earlier. But if your eye is bad, literally, if your eye is evil, we all heard the expression, the evil eye. Well, that was a Jewish colloquialism, a Jewish figure of speech. What they mean by that is someone who is stingy, someone who is greedy, someone who is selfish, someone who is begrudging people of things. We get that example, just show one place in Scripture where you see that, because that phrase is used quite a number of places through the Scripture. Don't eat the bread of a selfish man. Literally, it's there. Don't eat the bread of a man with an evil eye. In other words, if we take that and put it to what Jesus is saying, he's saying if we get focused on earthly wealth, then we treasure up earthly wealth. That is our value. That's our priority. And we develop an evil eye where we look at others selfishly and stingily and we think more of ourselves than we think of others. And he says that happens because we're living in darkness, deceived, thinking that the stuff of earth has great value. Jesus goes on to give us another very important truth. There are two views, two ways of looking at this issue of wealth and treasure. He says in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He says there are two masters, God or money. We can serve God, he says, or we can serve stuff, money, wealth, riches. But he says we cannot serve both. And a lot of us think, right then we think, I can do both. I'm good with that. I can serve God and serve money too. I can can do both. Well, you're arguing with Jesus because he says, no, you can't. You see, we like like to think that we can ride the fence on things. (laughs) And we know this is right, but I can kind of ride the fence a little bit over here, kind of play the game a little bit and do mostly what's right and do other stuff. And really what that means is we have our priority over here. But we think we can do that. When Jesus talks about a master, he's not talking about, you know, casual friends. He's talking about a master and you are a slave. When you're a slave, you're owned by something. And Jesus says, Regarding this, we can have one of two relationships. We can be owned by Jesus, 
We can be owned by God or we can be owned by stuff. He doesn't say there's option C. We might claim to follow Jesus. I'm a Christian, saved, I'm going to heaven. But if what I treasure, what I value is stuff here on earth, then go back to last week's lesson, verse 19. My heart is here. Where your treasure is, your heart is. If my heart is here, then my eyes are here. My eyes are focused on this treasure. And if my eyes are here, I'm living with bad eyesight. If I'm living with bad eyesight, I have fooled myself. I'm deceived. And my master is not God. My master is stuff. Can that happen with us as Christians? Well, who's Jesus writing here? Who's he addressing? His followers. It's very possible. It's a very real reality and tendency for you and I to be those who end up putting our focus in the wrong place. And we end up following riches, not following Christ. If we really have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we understand that our sins are forgiven. And I am now a child of God. And I'm on my way to heaven. That reality should reshape everything else in life. It should reshape how I view everything. And if my views, if your views of stuff are basically the same as your neighbors who don't know Jesus as their Savior, as your neighbors who don't profess to follow Christ, if your view of stuff is the same as theirs mostly, may I suggest that we're not following Christ, but we're following stuff. That is what Jesus is saying. So I put together just a list of some questions. To do, as it were, since we were talking about eyesight a moment ago, to give a little bit of an eye exam. If we could put that chart up here, you know, it always has the big E at the top. Just in case, I'm just giving you the clue so you can always know when you see that chart. It always starts with E. Line one, E. I'm lost after that. Put an eye chart up here. We're going to ask some questions. I think it behooves us to ask these questions. Who am I serving? Question number one. Because you might be serving money. Do you want to get rich? Question number one. Do you want to get rich? Are you always looking for what is bigger and what is better? Always trying to position yourself, trying to find a way to get ahead? Not saying that Getting a profit on something is wrong. I'm not saying that earning money is wrong, but what is your, your deep desire and your great motivation? Is it to get rich? The Bible has a word for that. It calls it greed. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. People who want to get rich fall into a temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. It is not healthy to be always looking for more and more and desiring to be rich just to have more. If you want to get rich, you might be serving money. Second question. Do you want what they have? 
fill in the blank who they is. It might be the Joneses. It might be the, the Smiths that you're trying to keep up with. It might be the McGillicuddies. Whoever it is, do you want what they have? They got a new car. We need a new car. Can you believe they got that? They're not nearly as nice of people as we are. We should have that. They don't work nearly as hard as I do. I should have that. You know, whatever. I deserve fill in the blank. Because they have that. The Bible has a word for that one too. It's called covetousness. You might recall it from the Ten Commandments. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant or his donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Well, we have a tendency to do that, don't we? We have a tendency when somebody gets something to feel a little jealous instead of feeling, wow, that is so awesome that you got that. Well, we feel that, but then the next thought is, I should have that. <laughs> hmm. Do we want what they want? Do what they have? If so, you might be serving money. Another question. Are you grateful for what you do have? Or are you dissatisfied with what you have? They got a new car and now suddenly you're not satisfied with your old clunker. Yeah, it still runs. But it has that little rust spot over there and it has this over there. And, we're, and instead of being grateful for what we have, we start wanting something else. That's not a healthy and good thing. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. See, do you spend more time counting your blessings, noting all the wonderful things you have and being thankful for them? Or do you spend more of your time shopping and looking and thinking about what you want next? I think most of us tend to spend a lot more time doing that than we do the first thing, being thankful and grateful. And if that's true in our life, we might be serving money rather than God. Another question. These are painful questions, aren't they? <laughs> How do you measure success? Do you measure it in terms of dollars and stuff? Jesus said, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. See, if you measure success in terms of dollars and stuff, you might be serving money instead of serving God. Another question, do you worry about money? Maybe not about money in particular, but about material things. Again, a tendency that we all have. We'll talk more about this next week because it comes up. It's the next thing that, that Jesus mentions here regarding money. And he says this. He says, don't be anxious about your life. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink. Very few of us have ever really had to worry about what are we going to eat next. <laughs> We've always got plenty of food around or what we're going to drink. But that was the reality for most of the people in Jesus' day. It was hand to mouth. You had enough food for today and tomorrow was the next thing. Jesus said, hey, don't worry about that. See, we're worried about, you know, do I have enough money to make the next car payment? 
We think that's a big deal. We wouldn't think that was a big deal if we didn't have food for tomorrow. But Jesus says, don't even worry about that. That's next week. But if you're worried about stuff, you might be serving money rather than God. Another one. Is he ever going to be done with these questions? Yeah, just two more. (laughs) Some of us never made it past question one. Does your stuff own you? See, we start off where we own stuff, but somewhere along the line, our stuff starts to own us. Have you noticed that? Wealth can free us and give us more resources to learn God's Word, to invest in people, to serve Christ. Wealth can do that, or it can rob our time, it can rob our concern, and it can rob our commitment to Christ. So I ask this, have you noticed with the more and more stuff you get, are you growing in learning God's Word? More and more? Are you giving more and more to the Lord? Are you ministering to others more and more? And are you sharing the gospel more and more? Or do you find that the more stuff you get, the less time you have for God's Word, the less time you have for people, the busier you are trying to afford and maintain and even enjoy your stuff? Which is it with the more you get? Lastly, and I'll stop here because... I'm just way too convicted already. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with another question. Is giving a joy or is it a burdensome obligation? See, God is generous. And as those who have been adopted as His children, we are the children of God. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We should be growing, developing characteristics of God's Character, He should be growing those in us, developing them in us. God loves a cheerful giver, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says. Are you following God or are you following money? There is, brothers and sisters, I think for every one of us, great temptation to fall into this trap of serving money very often. The issue isn't even how much stuff we have. The problem isn't that we have a lot of stuff or we don't have any. Because the reality is you can be filthy rich and serve money. But you can also be dirt poor and serve money. We can also be dirt poor or filthy rich and serve God. The issue isn't how much we have. The issue is the attitudes that we have towards our stuff the heart we have towards God. In this whole teaching about wealth, last week and this week, Jesus has put before us three important truths and three three choices that we need to make. First, we learned last week there are two treasures. There are treasures in heaven that last forever and there are treasures on earth that just last for a short time. And the question we had to answer, the choice we had to make is, where do you want your treasures? Do you want your treasures now, the things that last for a short time, or do you want your treasures forever in heaven? And Jesus said, I'll give you a clue, choose heaven. (laughs) Store up treasures there, not treasures here. Secondly, Jesus told us, 
now in this text this morning that there are two views, two eyesights which we can use to view our stuff and view the world around us. And we can look through good eyes. And in good eyes, we focus on on the treasures that last forever, the stuff that really matters. And when we do that, we're living in light. It's the same thing as living in light. Or, he says, we can look through bad eyesight and we focus on the stuff of earth. He says doing that is like living in darkness. It's a waste. It's dangerous. And then Jesus says there's two masters. God or money. And the third choice is which one are you going to serve? God or money? In doing this, because I realized these questions, many of them were convicting and challenging. Jesus' point, I don't think, and my point this morning is certainly not to to lay a great burden upon you of guilt. And, you know, that what Jesus is calling you to do is to go and sell all that you have and give it here to the church. Give it to me. No, that's not that. He's not saying that you need to give away all that you have and sell all that you have and in some way trying to impress God or in some way trying to pay a debt to God. That's not the point at all. So please don't take this here as a guilt trip this morning. Rather, Jesus is truly concerned that you and I have good eyesight and that we follow a good master. He is concerned that we have real treasure, the stuff that lasts forever. And so what Jesus is doing is he's trying to instruct us into what is real versus what is false. He's trying to correct our flawed thinking so we don't miss the really good stuff. And that's why last week we read this passage from 1 Timothy written and addressed to rich people because I'm looking at a room of rich people in terms of earthly goods. And he says, command those who are rich in this world, in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hopes in their wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life which is truly life. See, Jesus is concerned that we're going to get hung up on the wrong treasures and the wrong stuff, and we're going to be rich in this world and then be desperate paupers (laughs) in what really matters. And we're going to miss out, and I love that phrase, it ends. He calls us to not put our hope in riches, to be rich in good deeds, to lay up treasures in heaven for the coming age, and notice, so you may take hold of the life that is really Life. We've got a world around us that is looking for life. And they're looking in all the wrong places and end up frustrated, empty, 
see the book of Ecclesiastes for commentary by the richest guy who ever was. See, that's what Jesus is saying. Choose your boss wisely. One final note. I've got to end with this. Just in case you're here this morning, I don't want you to get the impression at all that Jesus or I are talking about doing stuff and changing our our view and our handling of money and wealth, earthly wealth, to try to get into heaven. Because as I've already said, this sermon was addressed to people who are already going to heaven. They're people who are following Jesus, who believed in Him. Getting into heaven is not something that can be earned. Heaven is something that can only be received as a gift from our gracious God. No place is God's graciousness and goodness and generosity on full display as it is as we celebrated communion, remembering the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to pay for our sin and to offer forgiveness from sin. And heaven is a gift. It can only be received by faith, by trusting Him. If you've never done that, I call, I plead with you this morning to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, to trust Him. He died for your sins to pay the penalty of your sin. He rose again from the dead as proof that resurrection is coming and heaven is coming for all who will trust in Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You again for Your great love for us. And thank You for the reality of these truths here. We see plenty of people around us. Here we are in one of the wealthiest places in the world, in the United States, and here in an upper middle class community. And we see people all around us who are miserable. Wealth doesn't make people miserable. It doesn't make people happy, I should say. (laughs) Wealth doesn't make people think life is worthwhile. And wealth has no... Earthly wealth has no value in eternity. And so you showed for us, showed us what the reality of where real treasures are and how to lay those up. How we need to think differently. We need to look at things differently through different eyes. And how we need to choose a good master. So that we might take hold of life which is really life. So, Father, may that change how we live, how we think, what we value, even this very week and this very day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.